This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, the Lynn Kolel's uh, Yeshiva for Half a Day Legal Holiday Program. We decided to focus on a topic today that is very relevant. As you will see, uh, it's things that we should never know about, but it happens all too often. And being that we feel in the air already, the difference Ben Yisrael Amim, especially on a day like today, we'll see that it's especially true uh, regarding this subject. There's a huge difference in how a Torah-fearing Jews relate to this topic and how the Umas Ha'olim, and it's rapidly declining, how they, uh, how, how they are misyachist to this topic. There are going to be terms that we're going to be using that I don't know if everybody is so familiar with, so I asked Dr. Zaghi to give a short introduction on what we are going to be speaking about. Um, I'm, I'm going to be speaking about the halachic part, which is good for you guys, because it's better that I don't speak about anything to do with Rafuah. But Dr. Draghi is going to speak about some of the terms that, that I'm going to be speaking about. So go ahead, Dr. Draghi. Thank you for... important terms to understand. Um, one is called DNR, which stands for do not resuscitate. That means if the patient uh, either collapses in the field or in the hospital, they, they lose the pulse, no CPR, no compressions. Uh, another term is called DNI, which means do not intubate. The patient loses their airway, no intubation, no attachment to a breathing machine. So reasons that patients like, uh, choose these um, options is like either they're terminally ill, they're very old, that even if they weren't to have CPR, they probably wouldn't survive it, um, or they would have a really bad outcome post-CPR intubation, and that's why they choose to like, totally avoid being in that situation. Another concept is called comfort care, which is getting more and more common in the hospitals, which means a terminally ill patient, uh, they focus completely on quality of life and relieving symptoms. They stop antibiotics, they stop uh, non-essential medications, and just giving pain meds, other meds to relieve symptoms. Another concept is called palliative care, which sounds like a very nice word. Um, they define it now as an approach that improves quality of life for patients and their families facing problems associated with life-threatening illnesses. The problem in palliative care is that folks come so much on quality of life that sometimes they do certain things that might shorten a patient's life and cause death. Um, so that's kind of really important concept. And uh, yeah, I think we'll... Yeah. Okay. Okay, so <clears throat> let's start with the following. Um... Let me give you a little bit of an agdama. Uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein writes in his Sefer on Chumash, Drash Moshe. He writes about, I'll read you the Lashon over here. Uh, it's written in the Pasuk regarding Ari Miklat. Ki adam hu yachnif That blood could sometimes flatter the earth. What's pshat blood could flatter the earth? Says Rav Moshe that there's a very big difference between umas ha'olam, how they're makbed on murder, is very different, very different to how we are makbed on murder. By umas ha'olam, by the goyim, their ikur kpeida 
is that there should be a proper yeshuva oilam. There should be a good, a good, well-functioning civilization. And that well-functioning civilization is as long as a person benefits society and he's benefiting ha'aretz, then any justification is okay. And that's why there are many wars, says Rav Moshe, and people die in many wars, but they don't have a problem with that. Because as long as it's for, it fits into their philosophy that it's good for Yeshua Ailam, so that's fine. Masha'en came by us. Everything is told, he says, Bechashivus Ha'adam, by the importance of man. And by the importance of man, it doesn't matter if it's good for the land, the land serves us. So sometimes the Pasik is telling, telling us that the blood, dam, yach, nifis, aretz, that people are serving the land and seeing what's good for Yeshua Ailam. And by us, it doesn't work that way. By us, we look at the, every single minute in a person's life for himself. A person is a binyan, an oilam shalim. That's, that, that's what matters. Okay, with that hakdama, I'm going to start a little bit. I'm going to stand up. It's going to be more, uh, it's easier for me to stand up. So, with that Agdama, I'm going to start. About speaking about these terms that Dr. Zaghi pointed out, which is DNR, DNI, and interesting, it always happens whenever you're being Isaac in an Indian, Hashem sends you these cases. The truth is, for the past couple months, I've been hearing more and more from doctors. Uh, cases that they have that that they've been telling me that patients have been intubated and the family decided to remove intubation even though that they knew or sometimes a feeding tube and they knew that the elderly patient wasn't going to be able to eat and and basically they told me they witnessed firsthand how children starved their parents to death literally children starved their parents to death and many of the hospital staff are encouraging of that. They're saying, well, they don't have such a good quality of life. Good quality of life means also that uh, that, that it's costing them a lot in, uh, in, in medical bills that the insurance always caps it to a certain degree, so it's not good for them either. And I can also explain what the quality of life is. And eventually it becomes so bad that, that, <coughs> that the children feel a lot of pressure. So they say, well, they're suffering. So the, the importance that we're going to have to see today in certain halakhic sources is how much does a person have a right to uh, intervene and be makatsar a person's life and to shorten a person's life, if at all there is such a concept. And I'll tell you, just yesterday, just yesterday, as I was finishing this year, I was on my way home to light with my family, had luckus neiris, and I get a phone call from a doctor, and he's telling me that he's uh, he works in a hospital, that there's a... Uh, there's an elderly um, patient who's a Holocaust survivor. She's a Holocaust survivor. She's in her 90s. She has a, a, a stu- she has a cancer in the stomach, and they they put in a feeding tube. And the reason why they put in a feeding tube was because she always told her son that uh, nobody should ever be denied food because of what she suffered through the Holocaust. So she had a feeding tube, but for it was irritating. She pulled it out. So they brought her into the hospital. She was breathing heavily. And uh, and uh, I don't I don't even think she was conscious. She was breathing heavily, which was a sign that she was she was struggling. She was she was going through yisurin. So the the the, um, the the family wasn't sure 
they were they were being told that maybe she should be going on morphine and giving her morphine is going to calm down the breathing but it's eventually also going to facilitate uh, her death because it's she, she's going through Yisur and they're giving morphine the side effects is that she's not necessarily going to be able to breathe as well but this doctor wanted to know is he allowed to administer the, the, the morphine because it's helping her die that's a Shiloh and that's a Shiloh maybe at the end of this year we'll discuss remind me we'll discuss what the answer to that is what the answer to that is it's really going to depend on, on the situation and how much morphine and, and, and but what's important to know is that I'm going to start with this. There's an organization in America called Chaim Arufin. Chaim Arufin is run by the Agudas Yisrael. Uh, I, the number you could get easily, I think it's like 718 Chaim Arufin even. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's an organization that helps families deal with end-of-life issues that, that, that are the people are under pressure. And I spoke to the Paisik of, uh, one of the Paisikim of Chaim Arufin that, that, that answers these questions. Uh, uh, his name is Erbliezer Gordsman. He told me first of all two things that have to be that ha- that have to be mentioned before we start. Number one is that as we're going to see, everything is a shiloh. Everything is a halachic question, and it all depends on the details of that situation. So everything that we're going to speak about now is theoretic. Don't apply it at home. If you have a shiloh, there's a phone number to call. Everything is a shiloh. And number two, sometimes a person could be in a situation where he doesn't know what to do. Something happened to the patient. So he wants to know, does he, does he act? Does he not act? Does he resuscitate? Does he not resuscitate? If you don't know, the assumption should be act. Do whatever you can to save the person. And then you'll find out what has to be done. But number one is you act. So those are two important principles that are important to speak about. Now let's get into the halakha there is, in this sugya, a very important question, and it's a contradiction between two sources. And the way how we're going to explain and be meyash of the contradiction is going, to, is, is going to clarify for us what is allowed in signing a DNR, is signing a DNR or a DNI or an AND ever, ever allowed. And we'll explain these terms, and we'll explain exactly what a person is able to do. So the first source is a Gemara in Maseches Yuma that, that, that were given out in the source sheets, which is uh, a person is, is found under an avalanche, and there's, there's rocks on top of him, and you find that person that he's in a state of, uh, he's in a state that, he, that he's uh, half dead. He's a goisis. So the Gemara says that you're able, suffix chai, suffix meis, you're allowed to be Mechal Shabbos, even in Isur Deraisa, to save him. Even though there might be Shilas of, of, of Isur Deraisa, whatever you can do, you're allowed to save that person. The Shulchan Aruch in Orachayim, Simen Shim Chavtes, Siv Gimel, Dalit, and Hay, discusses to what point you do that. It says like this Misha Nafla of Mapoilis, Suffolk Chai, Suffolk Mace. Suffolk Husham, Suffolk Einosham. We don't even know if he's there. A few teams of Solaimers Husham, Suffolk Akum, Suffolk Yisrael. They pack in a love, Apobishish Kamas Vegas. You're allowed to, uh, to, to remove the rocks, even though there are many different Svekis doubts that that person might be alive. You still do that. That's Siv Gimel. Siv Dalit. 
Afilu matzo merutitz. Even if you found that his skull is crushed, she'enoi yachol lichyais ella lefi sha'a. That he could only live temporarily. He's called a chaye sha'a. Chaye sha'a is he can only live temporarily. Mepakhin uboykin at choytmai. We still are Mechal Shabbos and we see if he has life in him up to his nostrils. If you don't see any breath of life, that means he's Vaday dead. But what does it say? It says that if a person is a temporary you are Mechal Shabbos. What does it say here? That even if a person that you know is not going to live, presumably he's dying. You still do whatever you can to save his life. So far, so good. That's what's written in Hilcha Shabbos. If you turn to the Ramah in Yoredea, the second source, Simon Shin Lamites, Sif Aleph, and the basis of this Ramah is a Shilte Giborim, one of the commentators on the Rift in Maseches Mayit Kotan. This is Hagoyis Alfasi, it's called. He says the following The Ramah says that you don't dig a caver. Uh, by somebody who's who, who's at home dying. Say, oh, by the way, we're just preparing things for you. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna distract him. He thinks right now they're thinking about my death. He's going to, uh, he's going to to give up. He's just gonna die. So you don't do that. And on that, on you should never open up a kever that it should be open up till the next day. And not only that, Rabbi Yudah it says there's a sakana bedaver. Not only that. You're not allowed to cause for a uh, for a person to die quickly. Kegoyin, like Mishu geisus zman araich veloyachli parit. It's very important that if somebody is a geisus for a while and he can't really separate himself from dying, you can't remove a pillow from under him. Now, not only that, because some people say that the feathers of the chicken that are under are going to cause the person, if you remove them, they're going to cause the person to die quicker. I don't know, the Lavush says that uh, the Ramah had some type of tradition that way. You can't put keys under a person's pillow. A person feels that maybe they, they that, that there's a segula, that they put keys under the pillow, that the guy's going to die quicker. You're not allowed to do anything of the sort. However, what are you allowed to do? This is very important. If something is causing that the Nevshama doesn't want to leave. Let's say you have a person who's uh, a lumberjack, who's, uh, who's cutting wood. Or if a person has melach al if somebody has salt on his, on his tongue, which is very difficult to understand why that's considered so much better than removing the pillow. But that's what the Ramah says. And they're causing that a person who's dying cannot die, then you're obligated to tell that lumberjack to be quiet and stop chopping wood. Because the noise of the chopping wood is, is, is distracting the mace from being able to die peacefully. It's not letting his neshama leave. And therefore... We're going to see the, 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 the sources say that not only that, you should. It's not only 
It's not that consider you're doing an action, rather you're removing, you're removing a, uh, a, a moinea for it to happen. That's what the Ramah says. So let me ask you a question. This seems to be a blatant contradiction to the Shulchan Aruch and Simen Shin Chavtes Siv Gimel. In Shulchan Aruch Simen Shin Chavtes Siv Gimel, it says the guy is dying. You have to save his life. And over here, not only you're not saving his life, you're facilitate, facilitating for him to die. How does that go together? This is one of the, one of the, uh, I would say, one of the classic steras that whoever is being Isaac in this subject has to have a proper issue because how you're going to answer this issue is going to make a world of difference on what's able to be signed, what's not able to be signed, what's able to be done, what's not able to be done, respir- uh, uh, respirators, ECMO machines, etc. Let's start. There's a Shail Zetshuva's base Yaakov. The base Yaakov says that he's brought down in the Bishchei Tshuva, in the, in the Shulchan Aruch Yoradeya Shin Lamites. He says that a, we're talking about in, in, in Hilchas Shabbos, about somebody who's dying, but he's, he, he might not die. He might not die. And since he might not die, so you are able to save him. If you know, though, that he's vada going to die, then you're able to facilitate his death. So the base Yaakov says. The Shvus Yaakov brings this base Yaakov down. He says... He doesn't agree. And not only that, the Bir Alacha in Simen Shin Chavtes, which we quoted in the, in the sources, I think source number three, uh, it, it speaks about at length what happens if a guy says, you know, for sure is going to die. And this is a fundamental question. A person that you know 100% they're dying. Their organs have failed. There is no hope for them to keep on living. Are you allowed to be Mechal Shabbos? To save their life. And this is also a very important theological question because you have to save their life. Obviously, there's a very important meaning to their life. That even, even if they're going to die in a, in, in a day, and this is going to be a very big conflict between us and the Goyim. The Bir Alacha and Dibra Maskel El Alafisha brings a few reasons why Pikuach Nefesh is Daiche Kola Why Pikuach Nefesh is Daiche all of the, uh, uh, all of the mitzvahs. But the classic Pasik that we, that we all say is, you should live by them. means even if it's temporary life, you are living, and who knows the, uh, the amount of, uh, of mitzvahs that you could, uh, that, that you could be Makaya. Maybe that person, one more Shabbos that they had to go through, one more minute of Yisurin that they had to go through, is their ticket to Nobody knows. tells you that even Chayesha, you're Machal Shabbos. There is one opinion in the Gemara that says that the reason why we're able to be Michal Shab- why we why we're able to be Michal Shabbos to save a life is because uh, you should be Michal one Shabbos so that he could keep many Shabbosim. And the ramification the Prima Godim says is that let's say you have an Uber, a fetus, who is at the beginning stages and not necessarily considered a life. But they are going to be Shemr Shabbos later on. So maybe you don't have Vechai Bahem, but you have Shishwar Shabbos is Harbei. So, Lehalacha, we follow both reasons, Lechomra, and the Bir Alacha says that the reason of Vechai Bahem tells you that a person is a Chayesha and you know that he's not going to live more than a day. You are still Mechal Shabbos. And even if Nisratit Roisha, he brings Taisus and Maseches Nida, the Mendalan and the that is mashma, not that way. And Taisus Masechah Snida says that the reason why we're Mechal Shabbos 
for a uh, a person who's terminally ill is because roiv, even though roiv guys is similar misa, even though most uh, people who are deathly ill they die, but you might have a minority, a mute that lives, and since you're chayshish for the mute over here as well, we we will say that 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 we. Um, that, that that we are able to be Mechal Shabbos. And according to this, if you know 100% he's going to die, you shouldn't be Mechal Shabbos. But the Bira Lacha says, nevertheless, um, he has another shot in Pisces, which I'm not going to get into. He says the Pisces can say that even if you know 100% the person is going to die, you save his life. So if that's the case, you know that the person's dying by 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 uh, by, uh, by the case of the Ramah, that the lumberjack is outside. You're supposed to save his life. You're not supposed to facilita- facilitate him dying. So the Beis Yaakov says we're not talking about a real Geisus. Doesn't seem to be that way. The Bir Alach says even if it's a Vatai Geisus, he proves from the Gemara, not the Shulchan Aruch Harav, and Shin Chavtes says even if you know it's a Chayyashon, he's going to die. That's the Shulchan Aruch's lashon also that that you know that he's going to die, you still save a life. So the Beis Yaakov is not accepted by Allah. What's the time horizon of What? What's the time horizon of It's not written. It's not written. It's not clear what a Chayyashon. What's a Geisus? What's a geysis? So, Professor Abraham from the Nishma Savram, he, uh, he asked Rav Shleim Zalman Orbach, what's a geysis? So, Rav Shleim Zalman answered the typical way any Jew would answer. He asked Rabbi, Re- Professor Abraham, you're the doctor, you tell me what a geysis is. <laughs> That's what it is. A doctor tells you when a person's dying. A geysis means a person's dying. And... And uh, that, so that, that, that's what a guy says. Chayyash Shah is somebody who's not going to live a long time. It's not doesn't mean six months. It means even even eminent. Yeah, Chayyash Shah is different. I'm telling Geisus there's not a Hagdorah. I was bringing an example from Geisus. Chayyash Shah is not is not clear at least in the Rishonim what what it could be. So so that's why nowadays it's different. Nowadays it's different. Let's say a doctor knows. Let's say a doctor knows it's different. That, that's what Shlomo Zalman said. It's up to if that's a chacham asaroyim or Hashem. We have doctors over here, so I'm not going to attempt to get into what Geisus says. But the, the basic Yaakov was not accepted. So Rav Osner says maybe another suggestion how you could be miyashiv why a Geisus is is, uh, is 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 you're able to to remove any restrictions of him dying and you're allowed to be mechal Shabbos is like what you were trying to say. That you have a permission to save a geisus. You're not obligated to save a geisus. You're, you have a permission to save a geisus. But on the other hand, if he's dying and and it's hard for him to die, you're allowed to remove any restrictions that you can. So it's not such a pasha to answer. It's not mashma that way. If, if you have to save a person, l'chayr, you, you you should have to save him. Where did we ever find that you have a permission? Yachayl, if you want to, you could save him. This is a stira that, as, as uh, Rav Hortz was telling me yesterday, if you ever find a very big paisik at a chasna and you want to discuss with them a very juicy halacha, you, you ask them how to be miyashim the stira between simen shin chavtes and your adaya simen shin lamites. How are you, you miyashim the stira? Well, within the Ramagufa, he says a chilek, and he says that if it's meser amoneya, that you're not doing any action of kumbase, of letting him die, you're just removing any uh, any barriers from him dying, then you're allowed to do. Fine. So you're allowed to do that, but then when you find him dying, you have to save him at the same time? How does that jive? How does that go together? So that's a question that the Taz 
says he doesn't understand the Ramah, why you're allowed to remove the, 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 the salt from his mouth, and you can't remove the pillow. So the Taz argues on the Ramah. But it seems to be that the, the Lavush says, that Lavush, the Talmud of the Ramah says, that obviously they had a tradition that removing the tower is more of a direct action. It's more of a direct action. I, it's hard to understand. That's at the beginning. It's hard to understand this Ramah. But the... Uh, the um, yeah. Right, right, right. That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna go into now, right? By Brandon, making sure that I'm on time. We have till eleven fifteen. Okay, I'm good. So let's so let's so let's explain uh, how we can be miyashiv the steer of the rabbah. And this is the way that the poiskim, al kolpanim in the Agudas Yisrael, go with this mahala. And this yishu really clarifies many things and. And and uh, and it'll help us understand what to do practically speaking. Halacha uh, which of course I'm not saying any halacha but at least we'll know where to ask halacha which is the following. The Swiss Yaakov says he had a horrible case about a woman whose head was decapitated and she was pregnant. It's in the 1600s. So they went and they were machal shabbos that they cut open her stomach and they saved the baby. And they were asked whether it was okay to save the baby because. Uh, Maybe he's, uh, uh, um, may, may, maybe you shouldn't be allowed because he's an Uber and he says no such thing. Of course you're allowed and it's a big mitzvah what he did. Not only that, not only that, says that he, he explains that a goisis, uh, says because on the other hand you're not allowed to touch a goisis, you're in the middle of dying. I, mean, I don't exactly know the situation, how it happened. But, but, it's, but, but he, he writes that although a goisis is dying, but if you're able to be Mesir the Goisis, the Gesisa Lefisha. Listen to the words over here. You're able to temporarily remove the Gesisa. You're able to temporarily remove the fact that this person is dying. You're able to do that. In Simon Shin Chavtes and Orachayim, when there was an avalanche and the, person's, the, the person was under a rock and the rock was crushing him. You're allowed to be Machal Shabbos to move that, remove that rock, even though that person might succumb to his, to his, to the blows that he got, and he's never going to be able to recover. Right now, he's dying, and you're able to get that thing that's making him die, remove it, and save him. You're being Isaac and Rafua. Of course, you're allowed. Masha'enkein and Shinla Mites, the person is dying by you removing. The, the lumberjack's noise, you're helping him die. And if you, and if you take away the pillow, what's happening is that, is that you are causing him to die. That's, that's a prohibition. Causing a person to die is forbidden. If you are being Isaac in helping him live a little longer, you have to do that. Masha'enkin, if a person's dying anyways, and you're being Isaac and just helping him die easier, that would be okay. For example, Let's say you had a cancer patient, a lung cancer patient, that is, that is going to die in two months. Okay, the doctors say that's it, his, uh, his, the, 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 the cancer ravaged his body, he's gonna die in two months. Right now he has an infection. You can help him get over the infection. Of course you're mechoyev to help him get over the infection. Because right now he has, a, he has an infection that you could help him, you could heal him, and they'll live for two more months. Or they'll live for one more month. Doesn't matter how long they're gonna live. But what you're being icing in right now is not what they're dying and you're 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 helping them die. You're helping them live. 
If a person right now is in the middle of dying and you want to resuscitate him over and over and over again, despite the fact that, 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 that it's just that he's in the middle of dying and you're, you're shocking him again and you're shocking him again, that's not so caution. That could be that that's allowed. So Amisha Feinstein, yes. No. Right, but I'm talking about that. Even if it's going to be more of a of a of 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 your, you have to be maser monea regarding regarding the avalanche. Let's say right now you're just taking away the rock. So who says? In other words, in other words, you're not doing anything by just taking away the rock. But you're mechuyif to do that. So why do you say I'll just leave him alone? I'm not doing anything. You're you're obligated to kumbasay to do something to save his life. The Kuvasse are obligated to do to save his life. So you can just say, I'm not sure of the money, I'm not going to do anything. So why shouldn't you? If that's the filling, you should just say, Well, I'm not going to be Isaac at all in healing it. You're not allowed to do that. You have to help and save him. So let's talk about, first of all, first of all, let's start with DNRs and DNIs. DNRs, yeah. So the clear distinction between your idea that you are allowed to facilitate a person to die, and or a chaim where you have to help a person live even though he's gonna die imminently, is that in or a chaim, what you're doing is that right now, you will give him a little bit more life. By removing the rock, you, you will give him a little bit more life. You're right, he might die soon, but right now, you're giving him more life. Whereas in Yoradea, what you're doing is He's dying right now. You're not going to give him more life from what you're doing. He's on the decline. He's in the middle of dying. You don't have an obligation to save him in that in that instance. You don't have an obligation to save him because he's in the middle of dying. Help him live. We don't pass him this way, but the Tzitz Eliezer in Chelek Tess, says that based on this Ramah, if a person is on a respirator, I'm very careful what I'm saying because the, the minig is not like the Tzitz Eliezer, but I just want to bring a dimyan to understand how we, how he applied this Ramah. He said that if a person's on a respirator, and I'm not going to get into the medicine, I, I, I'm not getting into the subject at all, the, but the person, he said, this is the Tzitz Eliezer, what he says, he says the person is dead. The person is, is, his brain is dead, and the only reason why he is alive right now is because the respirator is, is breathing air into his lungs. The respirator is breathing air into his lungs. So Eliezer says that not only would you be allowed to remove the respirator, because he's in the middle of dying and you're not doing anything, you might be obligated to remove it. So I was like, you might be obligated to remove it, because the Ramah says you're supposed to help a person, you're supposed you're not supposed to make it more difficult for the person to die. And if they put on the respirator, you should have to remove it. Ramosha Feinstein, in Igris Moshe, that same tshuva a little later on, I don't have it quoted, he says that if the respirator is on, you're not allowed to remove it. So the person might be still living. If the oxygen ran out and the person you know is clinically dead, it could be you don't have an obligation to replenish the oxygen. What? Because... Uh, because there's no there's no tanks, so, right, right, right. So, but that's what Ramayshin says. And 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 Lamaise, that what I spoke to the Paiskim in America, that nobody follows Seliezer, nobody allows the removal of machines. And I think the reason is is that 
there is, we are not clear what type of life there is dispersed right now. I tell you, I was involved in a case in Canada where a good friend of mine's son, Lu'aleinu, suffered an asthma attack and, and, uh, and he was without oxygen for 45 minutes and he went into a coma and he was, uh, he was legally brain dead. And in Canada, they put huge pressure and they just passed a law that the doctors should have a right to decide to pull the plug. And literally the whole community in Toronto had went down to the court to advocate on his behalf and he lived another four months on this machine until he passed away. Now, Dr. Zaghi tells me the only, the only reason why they should pass away is because of other complications like uh, <coughs> urinary uh, infections or, pneumonia. Or, or, or pneumonia or, or the like. But they're not going to, in other words, a person could live for much longer with that, with that machine. I'd like to know why is it that at one point they can't live on the machine. I mean, you're, uh, Dr. Zaghi says there's, there's, it's only because of other complications. I want to look into that more, but of course I'm I'm going into a into a realm that's not mine. So I, mean, I just it's just it's puzzling to me. It's puzzling to me, but that's what happens. That people are on respirators for a long time, and the heroes you cannot remove a respirator. But I'm just saying that the Tzitzeliyazer wants to wants to suggest from this Ramah that if a person's on a respirator, I mean, if and there's nothing else going on in his body, he's totally dead. So you're just you're just being ma'akib the neshama from totally leaving. What does, de- what does dead mean, though? What does dead mean? So that's the subject that we would need another three hours to get into. That's why I'm not getting into it right now. That's, but I'm just, I'm, I just wanted to bring the sitz Eliezer for a dogma how he, how he, um, how, how he, he deal, how, how he applies the Ramah Halakha So getting back to, do not resuscitate, do not intubate. There are patients that want to sign an order that do not resuscitate me, which means let's say they had. They have a heart attack, God forbid, and, and, and you have to resuscitate them. They're going to say, well, the person is dead now. Why do you have to do anything? There's a hasara samoneya. So here there's a clear halach and chesh mishpat, which we all know, which is leisamoid al-dam You see your friend drowning. You know that you could save him right now. You have to save him. You have to resuscitate him. You have to do whatever you can to save him. If a person doesn't want to be intubated, for the same reason, because they are going to say that the quality of life is not going to be the same. You have to help them live. You have to help them live. The question is going to be where it's eventually going to be a stage where the person is terminally ill and they're dying. And here it's going to really matter how we explained the Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch on what the distinction is. If a person is in the process of dying and you, you, you could keep on resuscitating them, but what's gonna happen if you keep on resuscitating them? They're just gonna, they're just gonna, they're, they're just gonna come back and die again. Then it could be there's room to talk about DNR. It's a very specific case. Now there's something else called, as, as, as we mentioned, uh, the ANR, which is allowing natural death, which is basically, it's not, it's not only do not resuscitate, but it's let them die comfortably. That means you remove medications, you don't medicate them, you don't give them antibiotics, you let them die comfortably. That's not allowed. And that, and that the poison will never be mocked because that's just, that's just speeding up their death in, 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 by, by causing them to die more, by not giving them antibiotics and, and, and things that, that should help 
maintain them. But that's not normal when a person is in the middle of dying. I'll tell you an unbelievable story that I saw, uh, uh, that I saw written by somebody called Rabbi Yaakov Goldstein, and he has an article, a very good article about this that you could, that you could look online about, uh, 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 about DNR. And he mentions a story with the Lubavitcher Rebbe that uh, <clears throat> in the tw- on the 27th of, of Adar, the Rebbe, uh, 1992, the Rebbe received a debilitating stroke in the oil. Um, two years later, 4 o'clock a.m., the Rebbe received the second severe stroke while at Manhattan Hospital, which at the time left the Rebbe with 98% brain damage. The doctors caring for the Rebbe explained the seriousness of the situation to the Rebbe secretaries, who acted as his legal health proxies and that they needed to consider signing a DNR, DNI consent form. He was 98% brain damage there was. The secretaries decided to send this halachic question to one of the world's leaders, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arbach. So they sent the question to Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arbach with instructions that his name shouldn't be mentioned anonymously. So when Rabbi Shlomo Zalman was asked this consent order for the anonymous patient, he said, that he, he says, listen, I can't answer these questions because I'm older already and, and these are such heavy and important questions. I don't want to come to Shamayim having to give Din B'cheshben on questions that I, that, I, that I shouldn't have answered in my advanced age. So the Rav who was asking him, this Shaliach, said he had no choice but to reveal to Rav Shleim Azalman that we're talking about the Lubavitcher Rebbe and only he can answer the question. So Rav Shleim Azalman replied the following. Come back in an hour for an answer. After that hour, the renowned Paisig replied that every moment of the Rebbe's life is precious, and thus they are to do everything possible to keep him alive, even if it entails resuscitation. And this is unlike Rabbi Zalman's approach, he writes, that a lot of times if he knew that the patient was dying, he would allow a DNR point. As a result of this psaac, when the Rebbe later went into cardiac arrest at 7 o'clock a.m. Shabbos, the 2nd of Tammuz, they immediately began efforts of resuscitation, and indeed, after 50 minutes of CPR, the Rebbe's pulse miraculously returned and stabilized. The doctors have never seen anything like this before, that a pulse returned after 50 minutes. They're absolutely amazed and shocked that they saw a ghost, as from a medical perspective, this was a literally a, resuscita- a, a resurrection. That evening, 1 o'clock a.m., Motzei Shabbos, the Rebbe had a further cardiac arrest, and this time, the resuscitation effort did not bear fruits. The stalgas of the Holy Tzaddik occurred on the special day of Gimel Tzaddik. See, unbelievable that that you could keep on resuscitating a person. Are you obligated to? No. If a person's dying, you're not obligated to. But to sign a DNR, which the hospitals want you to do because of quality of life, a person might have more pain. So we don't find in the Torah, this is a very heavy, heavy statement I'm about to make, but we don't find in the Torah that facilitating pain is a reason that a person could uh, could take away his life faster or do actions that his life will be taken away faster. I'm not talking about uh, uh, euthanasia over here. I'm talking about taking away his life faster. I don't know if Rabbi Wiener is going uh, to speak about this uh, in, 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 in the next few minutes, but there are there, 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 there is heavy pressure on the hospitals to encourage people to end their life quicker. Palliative care many times means that it's on the decline. So I'm going to get back to the to the, to the question that I started with, which uh, which somebody asked me yesterday, which was what happens with this patient, this ninety-two year, this this 
this, this, this 92 year old lady was a Holocaust survivor. And, they, and the, the family wanted her to get, to get morphine to be more comfortable. Now what does that mean getting morphine? That's why you have to understand the terms that they're speaking to you, that they're speaking to. Giving morphine means is that they are switching from healing her to letting her die, which is, Dr. Zagel, comfort care. Yes. Letting her die in a comfortable manner, which means they would also remove antibiotics, they would also remove anything else that's going to, that's going to help her get better. They want her to die peacefully without Yisurin. Now, we want to make sure a person uh, doesn't have Yisurin, obviously, but in a case where we're basically in the cuts of her life, that is not a simple, that is not a simple situation at all. Rav writes in one of his tshubas that morphine is allowed to be given, this is a chiddush, but morphine is allowed to be given even though it's going to speed up the person's death, but that's not happening right away, and that's for the patient's yisurin, that's not a direct causation that's allowed. But even if morphine is able to be given, it has to be given at a, a low amount that, that, that is helping right now, but not direct causation that's going to cause her to decline rapidly right away, and not to remove any medications and antibiotics that are being given. And that indeed was the answer to the question. Was that morphine could be given as long as you're not stopping all of the other medical care that that woman is getting. And when this doctor went back to the, to the, to the, to the, to the patient's son and told him this, the patient's, the patient's son actually thanked him and, 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 and expresses appreciation that until now he was only hearing about how they could get rid of his mother quicker. And this was the first approach that he got that actually to help take care of her in a, in a way that is respectable but not hastening her death. And this is something that's very important to keep in mind. And there's a new, I was telling Dr. Zaghi yesterday that it's a new shot in Beaker Cholin nowadays. Beaker cholim used to mean that, 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 that you're giving chizuk to the patients. Not only that. If you are by the bedside, you are making sure that the hospital is not going to do measures that could harm the patient. Hospitals do not like from Yidin because they know that they will advocate that the patient lives longer, and that's not necessarily to their best interest. The Agudas Yisrael claims that the way to deal with this is that you don't go head-on with the doctors, you don't confront them, you, you, you communicate and you try to work together. Many doctors are very passionate and wonderful people, and you tell them the perspective you're coming from, and they have found much success with that. Instead of going into legal battles, which you won't have time for, you actually, it's called Ishtadlus and Shablon is that, that, you, that you, you, you advocate and you, and you have other people advocate for you, but you be by the patient's bedside and you show the hospital staff that you care and if you show that you care, it's just like teachers, that if the parents show the teachers that they're involved with their children, the teachers will do a better job with their children. The same thing with patients and with the, whatever patients you have in the hospital from, from your beloved family. You show the hospital that you care, and they will reciprocate, and they will, and they will put more effort in making sure that a person could live longer. Right. I want to say three things. Add in. Um, we have a DNR, a DNI. Patients don't know this, but usually doctors take it as like a soft ball approach with the patient. 
So they see patients' DNR, DNI, and chart, and not to be as aggressive sometimes. Um, second thing is palliative care doctors, they hate Orthodox Jews because we're so against like a lot of their approaches. So it's like always gonna be confronting you and sometimes a little aggressive. And with morphine, when morphine's ordered, sometimes a lot of hospitals order, but then it's given to the nurse to titrate up or down. Sometimes some nurses will titrate up and up and up and up on their own discretion that can really expedite the patient's demise. Yeah, questions. I mean, as not, I'm, I'm not a patient in this, so I'm not. We said, we said no, uh, no DNR, but with the patients for the I mean, except like you were saying was above DNR. So what, what, what were they doing for the Rosalba that was not the standard that you were saying? Well, the Rebbe was in his, in his last moments and he was dying. But they were keeping him, they were but, getting him back and back and back. So, certain cases, I would say when a patient is terminally ill and they're on the decline, then, then that's, when, that's when you ask a Shiloh. That's when you, that's when you ask a Shiloh and you get a stock that a DNR or a DNI could. And remember what Dr. Zaghi said, it's usually a carte blanche that they say, okay, that we don't have to worry so much about it. Is there a lot of people with DNR? I don't know. Most of the times, the combined thing. The hospital most has a combined thing. Like you can't really do a station unless you intubate. So usually they tell patients either you're combined or you're not at all. Okay. There's also something else that the that the nursing homes they first assign or hospices DNH, which is do not hospitalize. That we usually never allow because we have to know the situation where they're in before we're able to process this thing. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.